Hi guys, it's Tony Robbins. You're listening to Habits and Hustle. Crush it. So we have a really special episode of Habits and Hustle today. Um, it may be some of the content may be hard to listen to, but I think it's really important that everybody listens to the full episode in its entirety. We had someone named Tim Ballard on, who is the founder and CEO of Operation Underground Railroad. And what it does is it's a nonprofit that basically goes around the world and saves children from sex trafficking. Uh, it's becoming the fastest growing illegal business in the world. And Tim has dedicated his the last 15, 10 years of his life to this organization and has saved thousands of kids. And the reason why I think it is really important that everybody listens, if you have kids or not, is that people are susceptible right beside you in your back backyard, your next door. It's happening right here in the U.S., much more than you would even think it's happening. It's becoming one of the largest rings for sex trafficking and human trafficking. So even though some of the content may be difficult to listen to, please listen and um, hear what Tim has to say. Today on this podcast, this is one that I think is one of the, is not, if not the most important podcast we've ever done here. And uh, cause we have uh, Tim Ballard and Tim Ballard is like a real life superhero. I said that when you walked in, <laughs> I really, really mean it. This guy is doing amazing things uh, beyond, beyond your imagination. He created something that is called, I mean, we'll talk all about it, but he basically is saving children. Like sex trafficking is a massive thing. We're going to get into it. And he has this thing called Operation, well, you, was it up? Operation Underground Railroad. Operation Underground Railroad. I always like that. And, yeah. and he basically goes around the world saving children. And human trafficking is a massive, ma one of the biggest or the biggest illegal businesses in the world, right? It's becoming. Fast is growing. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah. $150 billion a year industry. It's the buying and selling of human beings. And, and that's like, and 10 billion, I heard, are children, right? So there's in total, so it's $150 billion a year. And to, and to kind of wrap your head around that, that's like the equivalent of, with, with the amount of money that's paid every year in oh, buying right, and selling people, people. Right. that's the same as uh, you could buy every Starbucks franchise, every NBA team, and still have enough money to send every American child to college for four years. That's how much money is spent yearly on buying and selling people. And they estimate around about 40 million people enslaved today, which is more than any time in the history of the world, that many people enslaved, and about 10 million are children. That's what I meant, Third, they're like 10 million are children? About 10 million. Okay. And, um, and most of that's actually slave labor, which can quickly become sex slavery. But 2 million, it's estimated, are dedicated solely to being uh, trafficked for sex, children for sex. I'm actually surprised. I thought it would be a higher number. I assume when people are, um, captured as slaves, that's going to be part of the the process. Like it is. And once once you're in slave labor, you once you're owned by someone, they'll they'll use you for whatever. So yeah, exactly. And it's very prevalent here in the U.S. People think it's happening somewhere far, far away. And it's this is is it not the most? It's it's actually the most pervasive in the U.S. Or it's, so the United States is the we just got ranked in the top three for destination countries. Um, 
people need to understand that we are the United States. We are the highest consumers of child exploitation material, child rape videos. Right. We consume more than anybody. So the demand rests is is here in this country. And so oftentimes we, we work in countries over in several countries, over 25 countries. And the these countries will hire or ask us basically, we're, we're a nonprofit, we don't charge them, but they ask us to go undercover because we look like the clients that those traffickers in their countries are looking for. But what the traffickers are learning is if they can get the kids and the women into the United States to feed that demand here, they can make even more money. So we're seeing an increase in people being brought into this country. Not to mention this, there's so many of our own homegrown, you know, born in the US victims, which range in between 150, 200,000, they believe children in the US are currently being trafficked from the US. Well, this is such a disturbing topic, right? Like, cause I have kids, obviously you have nine kids, I, I, you can't even, I can't even wrap my head around it. It's such an awful, awful thing. Like, you know, I heard you speak about this because people don't think it's going to happen in their, you know, where they live or like in their backyard. And with it, with Instagram and social media and online gaming, I, I heard you say that that is one of the major places that this can happen. And people, parents are just maybe they're not oblivious on purpose because they're busy doing, they're working, whatever else. And they think, okay, my kid's just playing a, a game, but yet these kids, that's how people are getting captured. Yeah. Yeah. So I think parents, a lot of us who are at least my age and older video right. games in our day was, you know, uh, you played the computer, right? You don't even comprehend. We don't even register that you're playing some person that in another state or some other place. But that's the reality. Any 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 game these days, our kids, you think they're playing the computer, they're playing other people. And you don't know who those people right. are. And so these predators know what to do. They know that they can pretend to be a 12-year-old girl, 12-year-old boy to connect with someone that age, play Fortnite or whatever game yeah. they're going to play. And then they start to, and, and there's always that texting app like, hey, yeah. so what's up? And they become friends. And then all of a sudden they're calling and then inviting to go meet at the mall and so that's that's it is a, it is a very um, popular way that's being utilized, especially in the last couple of years with the COVID restrictions, yeah. And and how and how governments have responded. And you you kid, you just told me you don't want your kid behind a computer, so you do you do school here, which is such a good idea because what's happening is these predators know, and we have even dark net chats where we can show it. They know the kids are home on their computers. Mom and dad are trying to figure things out. And they're home with the computers, the pedophiles are home with the computers, and it's target, it's a target rich environment for them. And they've even called it harvest, it's harvest time. The kids are alone, they're at their computers, now we can get them. And I mean, we just had a case um, last year, just 30 miles from my house, where there was a guy, 42 year old, year old pedophile, who was gaming with two six year old girls from Indiana, and eventually coached them and taught them, desensitized them enough to where they started taking their clothes off and sent naked pictures to him. A six-year-old? Six-year-old. But how does that even happen? Like, first of all, because I have a six-year-old right now, I'm an yeah. eight-year-old. They're so innocent and, and and they don't know what this even is. Like, how do they even keep and catch these kids' attention long enough? Because when my six-year-old calls her grandmother, who's in Canada, 
She can't stay on the phone for longer than it's 30 gaming. seconds. They were, he, this guy was gaming with them. Right. So, so he, he got onto one of their games that they were playing. a six-year-old, but they don't have the attention span to even speak, <laughs> though, you would think, right? That well, he, he just, he, he got them to the point where he said, okay, now take your clothes off. Take, okay, go here, push the camera function. Like he, and luckily the, the, the mom discovered before he got to the girls, but she said, I thought they were playing this yeah. cute little game. And I thought it was just playing against the computer. She had no idea that she was, her six-year-olds were playing with a dude or anyone. Right. Because I can, I mean, I think, you know, I haven't, so my eight-year-old is always playing these video games, right? And he, the other day was like, oh yeah, I, I gotta say goodbye to so-and-so. I'm like, say goodbye. Who are you talking to on there? He's like, oh, my friend. I'm like, who's your friend? Like this can easily be. Yeah some like you know crazy pedophile somewhere yeah and then how long does the process take what are some signs that you can a parent can look for how do we get more involved to even know that this is happening because this is something i think happens every single day with with especially what you're saying with covid with people now even more fixated on the computer than ever before you know how do we how do we how can we kind of help this from happening well so first of all the, the the best kind of preventative strike on this is for parents to know the games their kids are playing right and know the apps that they're on understand how they work and and monitor them uh now if 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 it's gone on too long and the parents haven't done that things you can look for uh do do gifts show up to your kid's doorstep you know, oh, well. mailed in. It's like what? That's an obvious. Any one. kind of communicate, yeah. Any kind of communication that's uh, that's strange. Um, you know, like you just said, your kid was like, oh, "I got to say goodbye to my friend." Who, what friend? What are you talking about? Or right. phone calls late at night? Because eventually, these perpetrators want to get access to the kid. It's right. not enough just to game with them. Right. So eventually, they're going to want a phone call. They're going to want. Um, uh, they're going to send gifts. They're going to want to invite them out. Um, and, and they prey on the kids who, who are vulnerable as well. Right. So they'll go on to Instagram and find the, the, the teenage girls or adolescent girls who are complaining about being lonely or, uh, you know, they, they know what to look for and they, and then they show up on the comments, Hey, you're beautiful. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a model agent. Mm -hmm. I'm a photographer. Would you come to my studio? And they kind of lure them in slowly that way. So then. So what is like the, what is the, uh, the age range that are the, is the most prep? Is it more girls who are 10, eight? What's the, what's the biggest age range that you see? So the, in, in the United States, we're, we're seeing that the average age is between like 12, 13, 14 ish around that, where they get induct, where they get kind of inducted into it or forced mm -hmm. into the commercial sex slavery. Um, but, uh, that's just, that's like, that's the average, but we've, I've seen cases a six month old or younger up to, you know, into, into the twenties. So Do you see boys ever that's mm -hmm. happened to boys too. How was the, what's the ratio of boys to girls? Um, I, I, th I think it's still, there's still a lot more girls, right. but the boys often get, um, forgotten about because people don't go there as, as quickly. But I was just, I was telling a week and a half ago, I was working in a country with a foreign government and we had infiltrated a trafficking ring and they, they believed that we were there to be clients. And they brought us uh, six and seven year old boys to, to sell us for sex. 
And how much are they selling them? For? How much are they getting sold for? So it's it's kind of the markets are regional. So it's you can basically add two or three times to what the price would be for like an adult sex worker. So let's say in some countries that you can pay $200 for, for an adult sex worker, right? A prostitute. Mm -hmm. And then you can add probably, it could be four to 600 for in that, in that same market for a child. That's it? For that, well, that would be for like the night or for two nights. Right, but do, do you ever do you ever see a lot of like people selling? Like sell permanent? Permanently, mm -hmm. like yeah, exactly. For yeah. an actual slave to live in the, you know, outside and forever and for years and then that i know that you were saying with why it's such a it's 150 billion is because you can resell over and over again right yeah like drugs you sell once and then you're out right for that person but a person you can sell until you get bored and then sell them again that's right yeah so i mean i've been involved with those kind of deals and i've seen them ranging here from 15 to twenty thousand dollars to actually buy the child outright um Usually they don't need to do that. They can lure them or, or, or kidnap them usually from impoverished areas. We see it happening right now on the, on the border. Mm -hmm. I mean, if, oh, you, if, so if, if anyone walks in with a child, mm -hmm. they're pre they pretty much have free passage. They're just told they have 72 hours to be released if there's a child with them. And they're told to just show up at their court date, immigration court. And it's like two or three years in the future because they're so backlogged. Wow. So what smugglers are doing is they're taking children, kidnapping children from Central America and other places, and they're pairing them with their clients who they're smuggling. Say this kid, say this kid is yours. Kids, say this is your dad or your mom, and you'll get right through. And then, and then call this number when you get through, and we'll pick the kid up. And they're just recycling these kids. And eventually, when the when the time is right or the price is right, they'll sell the kid for sex. So th these are that's this is happening right now at the border. That is unbelievable. And like, what? How do they? I mean, how did like, we see in the movies, right? You see this in the movies, like with you know Liam Neeson the Taken or all these things, right? Like these are just you think it only happens in the movies. Where do they drug these girls into into a place where then they just are so out of it they don't even know what's happening? Like what what does actually happen? Can you walk me through yeah. the process? So. First, I think it's important to recognize that trafficking has different faces in different places. Okay. And uh, movies like Taken can wake people up in a good way, but also uh, can um, mislead people okay. into missing the signs of what it is. A lot of girls are trafficked and they're living in their own homes. Um, for example, we've seen cases where um, even in affluent neighborhoods, and, and they live with a, an amazing family, but they got caught up in a situation where uh, they're dating some guy and they're 15, 16 years old, they're having sex, he takes videos of it, right. and they break up because for sure they're gonna break up within right. six months, right? Right. And then that video is used by the boyfriend. Hey, I'm gonna show this to your pastor, I'm gonna show this to your grandparents, I have your entire email list, I'm gonna email these naked pictures of you unless you go sleep with my friend or unless you provide right. sex for me or whoever. Uh, and, and that is trafficking. Uh, and, and these girls come home, their parents have no idea, and they are, they're living in a hell and they are being trafficked. So, and, and they're going to cheerleading practice, they're going to their soccer games, you know, they're, everything looks normal. Right, it, it's, I would think that was blackmailing, you know? Yeah. I mean, 
So it's basically this, it's that too, it's but it's also trafficking. It yeah. is traffic. So it can just it can actually just happen here in that in that. Kind oh of yeah, I, way. I, it happens all the time, and and so movies like Taken right can be can 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 um, be a disservice to people who sure. they're looking for the white van kidnapping the kid. Right now, in like I said, different places, different faces. That does happen too. Um, now, Taken, I thought was pretty accurate in, the, in how the girls were actually treated and, yes, drugged and desensitized. I've seen cases where they show them pornography or child exploitation material, child rape videos to kind of desensitize them. Right. Um, and But generally, I, it's, it's rare to see like the cold kidnap kind of case like in Taken. Yeah. Why? Right, because right, right. they're businessmen. And true to form, true to the movie, yeah. you kick up a lot of dust if you're just going to kidnap someone oh, yeah. uh, who has a family that's going to be looking for them. So it's much better as a business because these traffickers are evil, but they are, they're, they're, they're businessmen. They're evil businessmen, but yeah. so the lure is, is the, is what they're going to do. They're going to go up to an impoverished area. They're going to offer a job, offer an opportunity to go to school and be a nanny or whatever. Right. And then they, the parents wish them well and say, Hey, well, call me every weekend. Oh yeah. Here's a cell phone for you. Your daughter will call you every weekend. And then they never hear from that child again. Wow. So that's, it's, it's much better from a business perspective. So you see a lot of lure and women, by the way, are four times more likely to be trafficked. And it's the same concept, the lure. And we've, we've, we've worked quite a few of those cases in the last several months. So wait, so wait, so basically then, um, I was going to say something like usually like here where I live in LA, you have a lot of guys who are really rich, who are super successful and they're going out or they're like doing all sorts of like nasty things with like really young girls. Right. And because I'm very much, this is very myopic and I'm not saying every single guy is like that. Don't get me wrong, but I would think, what is the percent? I would think when I think about this, a lot of those people who are paying that kind of money are guys who are, who kind of like look normal, so to speak, who are successful, who are people who, you know, um, they they kind of like they kind of like look like they belong in society just fine like anybody else because but they're the ones I would think who are a little bit more conniving who are doing those deviant behaviors because they can they have access and then they can pay other people to do it like have you noticed that as something or am I just kind of make it because I think of people I know who are like just these rich dudes private equity guys whoever who are like just sleeping with a bunch of like young 16 year olds or whatever that, that they're the ones who are the most not the most, but is that like a, is that like a, uh, one of these traffickers, do they look like that? Like how often yeah. is it like that? So if that makes sense. Yeah, it it's does a roundabout make, way it, of saying. It does make sense. And it's an important question because sometimes we want to, we think that it's going to look like the crazy, sick, greased exactly. hair. Exactly. It's not. It is anybody. It is any walk of life. We've, I've seen professionals. I've seen, you know, lawyers educators, even law enforcement, right. I've, I've, we've had to arrest who is, so it's, it's, it's this constant, this, this sex addiction, which leads to this. It's, right. It's like a deviant behavior. Yeah. Is it's, what it is. it's a closet crime, a closet sin. And it, and it affects anyone who lets that into their brain, into their heart. So there is no way to profile. There is no way to profile. But if you would, if you would say, what is the percentage of people who do look like everybody else who are like considered in society to be like upstanding citizens? What is the percentage of people who are these quote unquote upstanding? So in my kind of anecdotal experience, my yes. opinion, I'd say in, in the 90s, 
And then ninety percent is you would is just regular people that you wouldn't think twice about. Yeah, I mean it's unbelievable. So, can you kind of okay? This how did you even get to be this down the route? Like, how did you start this? I know you were in the CIA. Can you kind of give your story a little bit? Sure. Yeah. So I was um, an agent with the Department of Homeland Security. I, I was in the CIA briefly before that, but doing um, what? I was just doing like uh, reports and not, nothing crazy. Okay. You weren't a Navy SEAL or anything like that? No, no, okay. I my, I got into fighting trafficking as a, as a special agent with the US government. Okay. Um, I was also an undercover operator for, for Homeland Security f infiltrating trafficking rings. So I, my first post was, I was a, a decade on the border between with Mexico and the United States. And, and um, I basically was, I speak Spanish, so um, in 2006, the laws changed in the United States and allowed U.S. agents for the first time to go overseas and infiltrate trafficking rings where there were American tourists. And it was this new law that mm. still in effect, it's an awesome law. If, if we catch an American having sex with a child overseas, we can prosecute them as if they had committed that crime on U.S. Oh, soil. Wow. So that opened up a lot of things. And I was spending a lot of time overseas, uh, over, um in, in the Spanish-speaking world mostly, pretending to be a purveyor of child sex or a trafficker or a sex tourist. And that opened my eyes. Before that, I did a lot of child exploitation material cases, you know, where we're getting the end users for possessing this material. But now we're going out and actually finding these kids. The problem that no one kind of intended was if I couldn't find the American, which usually it was hard to find because I only had a couple of weeks or something to get. Yeah. I'd always, we'd, we'd always find the kids, but finding the Americans in that little window was hard. But what it exposed me to all this stuff, and I'd, I'd have all these, in my mind, pending cases, but there was no jurisdiction that I had to work them. Right, right. So that's what opened my mind to, well, what if I just quit then? If I quit, I would have no jurisdictional limitations and we could just bounce around from country to country and just find the kids. And so that was the beginning in 2012, 13, I was working a couple of cases, one in Colombia, where I was really just supposed to be consulting on the case. Really? Um, and kind of got myself too deep and overcommitted. Um, and that's the basis of the movie Sound of Freedom. Yeah, know. Did no, you, I know. Did I didn't, see, I didn't see the movie because I saw pieces of it, actually. I didn't see yeah. the whole thing. But you have like a bunch of, you have two movies. Yes, yeah, so, so there, there's a couple documentaries. Oh, the Sound of Freedom is about the, Colum the, about the whole Columbia thing. There's a I Columbia remember. documentary, which it's called Triple Take. It's won three Emmys, but it hasn't been released yet. That's right. I don't know when that's going to get released. There's a, there's a documentary called Operation Two Saint, which is on Amazon Prime. But wait a second. Why hasn't that movie been released? It's won Emmys, you said? And it's it's won Emmys because it's, they, they, they entered it in and, and, they, and they won. It's a really good film. But then who's the, like, how does someone, see, where do you see you it? You can't see it yet. We're working on trying to get it released. It's, it's, it's tied up in kind of bureaucratic business dealings with the owners of the, of the oh, uh, wow. so we're just trying to work a deal to, to, to bring it at the right time and with the right people. So. Hopefully you can come out. I can I can send you a link. You would can, you please? You can watch it. Yeah, I would love to. Yeah. What was the movie though? Was it Sounds of Freedom when I when when you spoke at the Tony Robbins thing? Was yeah, that? Yeah. Sound of Freedom is a feature film feature starring film. starring Jim Caviezel, Mary Servino. Right. Who played and, your wife? Right. She played yes. Wife, right? And Jim Caviezel plays me mm -hmm. in the film. And Tony Robbins is an executive producer of that movie. So we. Oh right. Yeah. So that was supposed to come out that summer of last year. Yeah. But, but for the theaters all shutting down. 
Um, yeah. So it's now we think it'll probably come out this year. We don't, we don't know. Really, I don't know. So how would how would someone see that? Like, how? oh, it'll be a theatrical release. You'll, everyone will know when it's but, coming. No, out. but to date, has anyone seen this movie? Oh, just very private screenings. Yeah, I haven't seen it, so I won't yeah. be able to. Can you send me that one too? Or, or? I could I could ask for, for permission. Okay. Uh, they're they're pretty strict these guys. Okay, so. <laughs> well, listen. If you have a, if you can pull a couple, you know, yeah, strings. I would love for you to see it. Yeah. I would love it. I'm like fascinated by all of this stuff because it's just, I guess, also because I have kids. Like I said, I, I'm even more like it. Just like it's like so heart wrenching to hear yeah. all of this stuff. And if there's anything, you know, I can do, my audience can do, my friends can do. I think it's super important for people to know the options. We'll get into that after, but. Sorry, continue on with what you were. Yeah, you were so saying. so I was working on a case in Colombia and also one in Haiti, um, where we had identified trafficking rings mm -hmm. potentially, but we couldn't work the case because it was a, there was no American involved that we could find. Eventually, there were Americans. We found them eventually, but um, I didn't find them in enough time to convince my bosses to let me stay on the case. Oh, wow. And so in 2013 both those cases have kind of come to the surface for me and I really wanted to work them. Right. And I knew the only way to do it would be to quit my job and go about it privately. And so my wife and I made the craziest decision. You know, we had no money. We had, we had, uh, um, I, I was friends and still am good friends with Glenn Beck, the radio right. broadcaster. And I told him about my idea. He says, well, I'll, I'll raise, I'll raise your first bit of money. If you, if you do it, I said, okay. So he, he started raising the money in December, November, December, 2013. And then, and then that's when it was really scary. Cause once the money came in, right. I was like, Oh my gosh, no, I have to now do Now you this. have to do it. Exactly. But it's, it's, it's not, it's not enough to make me feel confident, but it's too much to not, to not jump in. It was a horrible time. How much did he actually raise that first? He, he had raised quite a bit. I was, it was, it was north of half a million okay. that he had raised, but these operations can cost up to a hundred thousand dollars. If you're doing it right. And with, to, to really do the prosecution and the, and, well, and how support. do you do it? Tell us how. How is well? So because, yeah, people so, should be giving donating to this. Yeah. because of all people should know what the what are the what are those what do those donations do? So first and foremost, it, 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 we serve to empower law enforcement. We don't. We're not a rogue or vigilante group. So we go find our law, law enforcement partners, ones that we trust, who we have spent time with and vetted in our my former life and the former lives of my uh, operators have kind of uh, lend ourselves to that knowledge who who can you trust which countries and then you go sit down with them and say okay what's going on how are you, what do you what do you need what leads do you have and they all have leads well geez there's this place here like we, we just did a case uh last year where a certain the 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 the, the boss of anti-trafficking for the whole country came to us and said i've got five locations where i know women and children are being trafficked out of um and their fronts like maybe it's a restaurant or it's a spa or it's a you know, a little resort, whatever it is. Wow. We can't get in because they don't serve people that look like us. They only serve people that look like you. <laughs> wow. So can you go in, get pictures, get intel, tell me what the guy is doing, what ages, what, what the girl's names. So we literally will send in operators pretending to be clients and they'll go and hang out at this resort or whatever the target is. Um, and so then, then we send the information back. We're basically just kind of like, glorified informants right you know that are clean right. that pay our own way and in fact we'll even go beyond paying our own way we'll provide technology computer digital forensic equipment whatever is needed uh I'm in in three weeks i'm going down to an, another country um that has never had digital forensic capabilities meaning 
you know, imagine you, you arrest a pedophile or a trafficker and you got their cell phone, you got to get the data off, find the child exploitation material, whatever it is. They have no equipment. So we're, we're going down and setting up to build start to build wow. a lab. So we provide all of those kind of services for them. Uh, and, and then they instruct us. We go back and say, okay, here's what he said. Okay, go back and say this to him. Okay, go back and say this until they've made their case. Right. And then they can then make the arrest and prosecute and, and get the girls out. Um, and then comes in the part that's most important, which is our aftercare. Right. And we have a very um, kind of robust program, uh, amazing people running that program that we, we make sure that before there's any kind of law enforcement action on a case that we are supporting, there has to be that aftercare piece in place first. So the, the minute those kids or women are rescued, right. there is a place for them to go, opportunities for them, and so forth. Right, because you can't just say, or, you know, you can't just save somebody and be like, okay, we'll see you, you know, peace, have a nice day, life. I right. mean, there's such damage mentally, I would yeah. imagine, and, you know, I can't, I mean, and they're also probably abused physically to such a, such a large degree, right? So what's it, it's called uh, face forward, right? That's yes, face forward, yeah. yeah. And so, so you guys have, that's, that's a huge job in itself. My gosh, just to do the aftercare. Yeah. Yeah. So part of the, we have, we have an aftercare partner here in, in the LA area, Santa Monica, um, called Face Forward. And there are a group of medical specialists, um, plastic surgeons that will for free, um, take the survivors and fix them. So for example, I was just in Africa a few, uh, a month or two ago. And we're helping a bunch of survivors who had been exploited, trafficked. And, you know, their abusers, their traffickers will beat the heck out of them and right. make make an example out of them if they don't cooperate. And what they what they do is they'll throw acid on their faces. And it just literally just burns. It's like melts their faces right off. And so we, we met a lot of those women in Africa last uh, couple months ago. It's it horrifying. You look, you look and their eyes are just melted into oh their face. God. And they're, it's just, it's just... It, it, and there's no hope so, where they are. So we bring them to, we'll bring them here and they'll fix them. They'll fix them? Yeah. I mean, I want to get back to how you, you Glenn Beck and the money and the Haiti. But so is that, I, I don't understand that I was someone who was paying for a sex slave. You would think that wouldn't happen, right? Because you'd want someone to have aesthetically look a certain way, right? So yeah. what's the, why would they do so that? So the reason would be because they'll control like 15, 20 girls, let's right. say. And this one keeps acting up. This one keeps running away. This one is not doing what the client wants. So it's worth it. Say, so you're not making me any money anyway. I'm going to scare the rest into yeah. compliance by melting your face off. <gasps> and and that will scare the others. Okay, we better be compliant with right. this. So that's what it is. And what? How are these people kept? Like, what, what did you? What have you seen when you when you've gone into these trenches? Like, what? How typically is? is what does it look like? What so we've it? seen everything from. They, they, they live at their homes. I worked a case. One of the early cases we worked actually was a case where these children, as young as 9, 10, 11 years old, were, had been um, given scholarships to a modeling school. So every afternoon from 3 to 5, they'd go to the modeling school and it was being taught by the, 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 the person who was, you know, the, the winner of the pageant in that town. Right, right. So it kind of known. And... These kids think, the parents think, oh, this is great. My, my daughter's going to be famous and rich. And well, what they don't realize is between that, between the hours of three and five after school, they're being shown pornography or they're being, they're being shown 
child mm -hmm. exploitation material. They are being desensitized, sometimes drugged, and then eventually told, okay, part of being a model is you go into that room and, and do what you saw in the video to that American video. Right. And, but they're going home every night, right? Yeah. In some cases. Wow. Uh, in other cases, they're not. In other cases, they're, they're held. They're, they're taken. I've seen cases where they actually live with the trafficker. The trafficker has lured them out of a country into another country. And again, it's almost always these impoverished families that have no recourse. They wouldn't even, the police don't even work in their country right? or in the region where they live, they say. Right. And so they have no recourse and they just, that's, they lure them, move them two countries away and they'll never see them again. And they'll live in apartments or homes with the traffickers who keep them. And, and I've seen those cases, by the way, in the United States, especially wow. when they, they'll, they'll smuggle girls from Latin America, Mexico, and they'll basically keep them trapped in a house in New York City and just take them out every day and they serve up 20, 30 clients in a day. Wow, was that like something that Jeff Epstein was doing? Did he have any of these girls that were <laughs> uh, trafficked and smuggled? And Yeah, so what he was mostly doing was kind of the, the local girls Right, the local girls. The girl. local girls in West Palm and then also in the in, in New York in and the Virgin Islands. Right. But and he would just have someone just go pick him up and his was a, a kind of a slow roll. But isn't that still trafficking oh, yeah. these girls? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. He'd have them come give him massages, but then right. he would turn it into But those girls I felt were like part of this whole thing with him. Like they would have to travel with him and it was like that's kind of what when I think of a, a traffic I think of him as someone being a trafficker, right? Sure, like, he was. Is there a profile of like a girl that's the most considered to be the most valuable if they're, let's say, blonde and blue-eyed and uh, Caucasian? I'd, or I'd say the like premium would be placed on how vulnerable they are in their lives. Mm, Do they have okay. a stable family life? These guys know how to prey on those who don't have that. Right. Like there's not uh, a stable family life there's no mom or no dad or you know it's some senile aunt or grandma who's kind of taking care of them right those are the cases you see, we see i've seen most often and they know how to look for that right and then they offer them a job and then they bring them in just like jeffrey epstein right no no just gonna come massage my feet or whatever right right and then right. pretty soon it's but what i mean is like on, on in the mar on the dark web which i want to ask you about is there like a profile or girl that's saying these are the most wanted, the you know, this who looks like this so, or? So yeah, I, I'd say, um, for example, we worked a case in Haiti last year. Right. Crazy case uh, where these Venezuelan girls mm -hmm. were, um, they were promised jobs in the Dominican Republic, like legitimate jobs. They had 15 little babies amongst all of them. One was a, f a police officer. Uh, others were professionals wow. and they came, they went to get this job for you know a certain amount of time and they were end up a lot of them were drugged others taken they all woke up in a brothel in Haiti huh. and why because in Haiti a Venezuelan girl anything new right would be valuable in that in that region right so we ended up getting doing there's actually a documentary being made about this case it's crazy the white house was involved tony robbins was actually involved he really? he helped us fly them out of the country uh, but it was a crazy case of how they these girls really escaped with our help how um well so our, our guys went in as uh clients we got the lead mm -hmm. that something was wrong 
um, these because someone you know we we learned that they didn't want to be there. Um, Where do you get this lead from? I guess you have so many people now that are like kind of like years to the ground. Or, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It, this this place was like the largest kind of club in town right. and word got back to us that all these venezuelan girls were there right which is suspicious why would they come to haiti do they want to be here because uh, what they do is once once you have the girl they, you take your their passports they don't speak the language yeah. I mean, th these girls were actually locked in a in a literal jail cell behind the brothel but even if they weren't like where you, okay go for it where are you gonna go where are you gonna go right the police are coming here to use our services you don't speak the language you have no passport what are you going to do? So that, that, they, they, they have them. So our, we went in as clients acting like we want to rent out the whole place for a big party. Right. And one of the girls sent something different. They were praying every day that someone would come get them. And they walked up to one of our guys. In fact, that guy's sitting right here. He, he actually was, not, was the guy that, oh don't bring gosh. him on the camera, but he's... But you can wave to him. Yeah. So he led that operation, actually. But wow! See, yeah. you said you're you're just the driver to him today. I knew that wasn't true. <laughs> I know that wasn't true. We're gonna get to the Nazarene Fund, by the way. Just wait a second. Okay. So, and it was a joint, actually, OUR Nazarene Fund operation. This this one. Oh, was okay. In, in, in Haiti. So this this one of the girls who just sensed a light. These are praying girls asking for God's help oh. because they're just stuck. And he he she handed a, a little piece of paper to him. And that just said, help us, please. Ayúdanos, por favor. But she, and she even wrote it in her left hand in case it got tracked back to her and he wasn't a good guy. And he gave it to the traffickers <gasps> like, it wasn't me. But they just took a risk. And sure enough, he, he, he called me right now in tears, just like, you won't believe this. So within 24, 48 hours, we had them all out. But what happened was the, the police that were supporting us, which we knew would happen, thought would happen, they are literally getting paid off by the traffickers during the rescue. So then we literally have to throw the girls in the van and get out. And now we're being chased by traffickers and police. Oh my god! So this is where the story just goes crazy. And then we finally find another law enforcement unit that'll come in. Our guys, we won't pay a bribe. The traffickers will. And so it's just, who's gonna pay? Well, we're not gonna pay. They wanted us to pay for the passports. Like the cops were trying to negotiate a deal. Oh like if gosh. you just give me this money, I'll, I'll go in and we'll buy the passports back. Like, what are you talking about? Buy the passports back. These are slaves now. The minute you, you've you limited their movement, they're no longer, you know, owners of their own lives. hundred percent. And we didn't pay. We, we ended up just working every angle we could get and got the girls out, got them into the Dominican Republic where they went into hiding. And then finally we got, we had friends in the White House at the time who got them pass our visas. Wow. Because they couldn't go back to Venezuela. So we got them visas. And then we had to figure out how do we get them home because we don't want to take them through a commercial airport because the traffickers are on the loose. Oh and we're on God. the same island, right? It's the same island. They shared Haiti and Dominican. So eventually we, uh, um, so I called Tony Robbins. I said, Tony, I need your help. I need you, I need you to get these girls out of here. I can't take them to an airport. No problem. He sends his airplane down. His 737 jet. <laughs> oh These God. girls go from go from living in a jail cell to walking onto Tony Robbins' plane. We had to remind them this is not America for anybody. Right, okay? right, right. Exactly. <laughs> but Tony's That's one. Amazing. Tony and his his wife Sage is so sweet, and they said their their one request is if please, because they're actually the White House actually said fly to D.C. and we're going to welcome you properly in the White House. Welcome you to our country.
Really? And it, it, yeah, it was really cool because they didn't t do any publicity around it, even though it was an election year and they didn't even ask. It was just, let's just get, the, you know, get, they got a tour of the White House, private tour. And But on the way there. And when did this happen, you said? Like this just, was last uh, like August. Like just recently. So yeah, this would have been September, like the, the rescue was in wow. August. So it was like September, October. So I think September is when they actually finally got free. And Tony just asked that their first day of freedom be at his West Palm Beach home. So literally their first steps on American soil were his house. Because they, they literally got off the jet into a bus, taken to Tony's house, and they walked out onto the, um, into his backyard that overlooks the, the ocean and then just. Oh my God. It, it was a, not a dry eye in the place. Oh my. But it, it was all filmed. So this is all, this will all be in a documentary probably hopefully by next year, amazing story. And the thing that's so amazing is these women are the heroes because they want so badly their story to be told because they will rescue so many more by saying, don't get on the plane. Yeah. The job sounds too good to be true because it is too good to be true. Don't get on the plane. And this is happening all over the place. Yeah. We, 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 same thing, and to, and to answer your question about what what's the ideal look, again, it's usually the exotic look. So we're in Africa, same thing happened. I'll show you a video after this because they're not home yet, but they're going to be home in a couple of weeks. We were to Africa and they had done the same thing to these Thai women. They, wow. they offered them jobs, stole their passports. They don't speak the language. They're stuck in Africa and they're told that, yeah, you're going to start having sex to, to make money for me. That's, that's the job. And they're stuck. And how old are these girls? The Thai girls? They're anywhere between, uh, 18 and I mean, there's younger, there's minors as well. Right. But we actually opened our mission statement to include women now. Right. It's exactly. women and children because it's just, they're four times more likely. And it's, and because of COVID and there's and the lockdowns there, people are desperate. So someone comes and says, Hey, come, come move to Kenya for, for a little bit. And you'll be a domestic worker. You'll help it. No, they steal their passports. You're going to turn, you're going to turn sex tricks. Jeez. I also think because I think you, you said um, women, is it because also with COVID, people are more lonely than ever? And so they're more vul vulnerable because of that. Sure. And so because yeah. kids, you know, it's not the same. But for when you said women, like I, I know of uh, women that um, who just kind of like there's all these like things happening on like even LinkedIn where these guys are posing as real guys and they're just people who are looking for money, let's say. But same thing happens as you're looking for like a sex trafficker, right? Like you can say the same, you can you can finagle your way to get to somebody when they're vulnerable, you know, if they're lonely or if they don't know any better or they don't have. So that doesn't surprise me that there's women. I'm just surprised that like, I would think as a client, I would want a young girl just because I think it would be, it would be easier to manipulate when they're there sure absolutely that, yeah you know um and, and and that happened i mean i don't want to downplay minimize that at all yeah it's just I, that it's just that the more we look for kids we're always finding these women who have kids by the way so and crazy. so we're just we've but do they have up. husbands or boyfriends or they oftentimes yeah oh i would think that was because they, sometimes they do in fact sometimes their husbands say okay yeah go you you know you'll make some money for us but they, they think they're going to go have legitimate jobs right and then they never hear from them again because wow. once they leave that country and it's done, they can, they're gone. I mean, to, to be able to find, I want to ask you about the dark web. I'm very curious, but you seem to film every, you seem to film as much as you can. Like, isn't it kind of hard to do this job while having video cameras running around? Because isn't that kind of like, don't people kind of realize there's something's happening? Like, it's not like yeah. you're that inconspicuous when you have, you know, a whole, sure. you know, well, 
the cameras, if we film things, usually it's for the evidence that we're going to turn over to the police. Right. And then if- Even so, you if have it's a camera. A, but they're hidden cameras. They're like in here. Oh, wow. In fact, this is a camera. I'm, I'm filming Yeah, right really? Yeah. <laughs> in that bottle? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So, yeah, there are cameras that you would never- Oh, so it's not, it's not off. You're not going in with like, you know, 48 hours of like- basically. And that's, and that's just the hit. Like, and when it's and the cat's out of the bag anyway, sure. They'll, they they'll don't have a in. real camera. But yeah, it's all hidden for, for evidentiary purposes. And then on the cases that make sense, if it's good for the cause, those can be turned into videos, but not the vast majority are not, especially if we're doing things that we wouldn't want the bad guys to know. Um, it's dangerous too. I mean, I mean, you must be, do you have to wear like a, like a, like a bulletproof vest? And sometimes I, mean, I, I, I have, but usually, um, you know, usually it's best not for me. I don't like to, to do that because I actually could alert them. Yeah. I was thinking that would be obvious. I'd rather too. just rely on our skills. To, to be undercover. But is it, a, it must be dangerous for all you yeah. guys though to do that. Cause yeah. anyone could just pull out a gun. We were, in a, we, were, or... we were in a place that earlier this month where the trafficker was being pr protected by the local police. The local police were showing up to oh my gosh. the meetings. And so we're looking at the police outside like, wow, these kids have no hope. Right. Their only hope is out there protecting the perpetrator. Right. I mean, how often are the local police involved, though? Like, how often. often are they shady? I would imagine they're getting paid off all often the time. Often they're getting paid off. So that's why we use, um, in fact, I'll show you a video after this. We just got back and it's the clip that we sent to the, so we'll work with a different police, like a federal or national police force right. that would come in and 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 be new. Like, you, you can't use the local Absolutely police not. in those places we work. You have to find vetted units. Our embassies are often helpful to point us in the right direction to find the vetted units that are um, trustworthy, at least have a proven track record. But, right, right, right. But we right. go in looking very different. Like I'm like, I'll show you this picture. You didn't look very different at the Tony Robbins thing when they showed the video. You look exactly the same like this. Which one? Well, I don't know, they were showing all these videos, remember? And I was volume, I, I was, by the way, I was, was, I, under, I, was, was I doing, was I undercover? My eyes were blurry, I don't know. So, uh, well, the more, it, those videos Wait. might've been from before we got bigger. Oh, okay. But once we got bigger, so this, this, so. That's you? Yeah, see? No way. Yeah, don't show the camera. Okay, okay, I, okay. <laughs> that is not you. Yeah. I would never have guessed. You, you would never guess. How, but your face looks different. Right. How? I contort it. Like Jim Carrey. I, 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 I kid know. you, no, I'm serious. You don't look like the same person. I know. And I talk differently and. I have contacts, change the color of my eyes. You would never recognize me. So you basically are, can, you have to like, you got to be a chameleon. Yeah, and I can, and I, can I have a, we, we have several <gasps> uh, makeup artists. Who, I mean, I could have a scar down my face. Like there's a, I could have a big beard like that dude over there. Like, and that might not be a real beard for all I know, else. I was going to say, I mean, now <laughs> I don't know who you are. This is unbelievable. So yeah. you, this is like mission impossible, yeah. literally. Yeah. Because we move around a lot of countries and I'm careful because I'm out there, but if, if, I, if I'm confident, like, okay, I can, there's some cases that I feel like I need to be involved in and, and I'll, I'll, I'll do it if I feel like I need to, uh, or I'll be the guy in the van, you know, or directing it from, we have software to where I can direct operations from 3,000 miles away, but still have bird's eye over everybody, see their movements over the over satellite the, imagery. And Well, how often are you traveling? How often are you doing all of this? Um, Recently, we, we've had a really good year, so we're trying to increase, open up countries. So I like to, if we're opening new countries, I personally like to be involved okay. with the initial 
work. Okay. Even getting in, into the weeds and everything. Right. So there's two countries, I'll, I'll tell you offline what, what they are, that we're that are new, that we opened up. And so I'm probably gone, what, every two weeks, guys? I'm, on an, I'm probably running an operation right now. That won't last forever, but... So you're gone every two weeks for how long? Oh, anywhere between uh, like a week or... Wow, and oh, you we, nine kids. We can, we can have, but then we'll we'll go home and then yeah. go back again and go back. Like we'll do two or three trips to the same place until we finally, yeah, nab them. But okay, so how of of throughout all this, how many people have you actually? What's the number of people you've actually? The, seen? the number of people that we have dire directly had involvement in extraction yeah. is over five thousand. Five thousand, mm -hmm. and then how many people have you caught? Like traffickers that are. What's that number? Three thousand. We're getting closer. It's it's going up so fast. So wow, uh, is five thousand the right number too? Yeah, so th almost three thousand. And what happens to those people, the traffickers? Do they go to jail? What's mm -hmm. the process? So yeah, we work in countries that have pretty good laws in place, and and we try to bring our embassy friends in. Don't they get killed in jail? I mean, that's the pedophile that, the number one. Yeah, thing. that can that can happen. That can happen. The pedophile is, is not safe generally in, in a lot of jails. Nope. But they should think about that before they rape. I was going to say, so. too bad for them, I guess, right? <laughs> like, I guess that's that's their problem. But we don't. I mean, we really. This is where we can't really. We have to work within the bounds of that government. Right. We are just basically um, guests, informants, signed up, registered informants for that government. It's that government that has to make those decisions and has to do the uh, prosecutions, and so we can just advise on that. Uh, where we don't turn it over to the governments is the aftercare. Right. Because too often in some of these countries, it's not a good aftercare system program. So we will, um, <laughs> so we will, uh, we find our own partners and we tell our law enforcement partners, we will help you, but anyone that's rescued has to go to this place or this place because we vetted them out. We and know that know. they're safe and good. So that's how we run our aftercare. So anytime I'm doing an operation, I have an aftercare team with me. Wow. There, even before I get there or while I'm there to make sure those relationships are solid. Right. And if we don't have them, we won't even do the rescue operation. And then how often uh, are these traffickers, like do they get off? Like how often are they just kind of, they have a good lawyer or they have a good thing? Does it happen often? No. 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 It's... I think we're pretty good at our at, when we when you're filming everything yeah. for evidence. It's really solid. I mean, right. we we sh we show up. Yeah, it can happen. We're in, we're look. We work in country like Haiti, for example. Right. Those are just rescue operations without any hope, uh, very little hope that there's going to be a prosecution. Right. The bad guy's paying off the cops, and so people would say, "Don't work there. What are you doing? You're crazy to work there." Well, ask those ten women who we just attended their graduation, by the way. Wow. Because they they got scholarships <gasps> to university. And just last week, we're all in tears watching them get their diplomas. So ask them why we went to Haiti, even though we didn't get to arrest anyone and no one went to jail. I mean, that guy's still active and we're still trying to do what we can, but you know, it's worth it anyway to, to get them out. So. Absolutely. Now, what, okay, can we talk about this dark web? Because, you know, I'm not, okay, I'm not, admittedly, I'm very tech unsavvy. I, I mean, like it's, I'm terrible with my computer. But how do people even know how to get onto these things? Like, where is this dark? I mean, I know you don't want to talk to all of a sudden everyone's going to be doing it. But I mean, how how easy is it to ex even access? I don't even know where I wouldn't even know where to begin. Yeah, like, I know Google. Yeah. And then do you put in, do you go Google dark web? No. Like, what do you put in there? You know what I mean? Yeah. 
So these are these are um, systems okay. that are kind of off the grid, right. meaning it's not part of the traditional internet. Right. So where are they so, going? So, for example, when we picture the internet, the, 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 we, we picture the internet and websites, right? We're going right. to these are controlled by servers, and so there's some corporation, right? And they're they're working with internet service providers, and it's all kind of. There, there's there's structure to it. Okay. So imagine if there's a place where that doesn't exist. There's no central server somewhere. There's no one. But in L let's say LA, we're here in LA, right? Yeah. And I was a pedophile, but I was like, you know, how would I, if I was, I, I was not savvy, I'm not an IT person, how would I even so there's, begin? Okay, so there's software, for example, Okay. that you can download. That, okay. that and people use it all the time. They might not even realize it's called the dark net, right? But wow. they'll, they'll download software that brings them into the new portal. And that portal will just be like computers talking to each other. Oh, so there's wow. not like a central server. It's like a million computers. And let's say your computer is connected into that network because you download a certain software that you're now connected to a million computers throughout the world. Wow. But they're not, it's not the traditional system. Right. You're not going to Google and find that material. You only can find the material once you're in the network. And now it's just peer to peer, for example. This is one example where you're just computers talking to computers all just individuals. So now what a great place to share illicit material. Right, exactly. Where there's no one really watching, right? So that that's an example of- Is it easy to find the software? Yeah. Yeah, if you know what to look for. And it's not, it's not, all, it's not like, like the illicit part's small. You know, right. it's, but if it's you, potent, but it's small. People are doing legitimate things on these networks, sharing music, sharing images, sharing whatever. But, um, and then it goes deeper from, from even there to where, you know, I mean, it's, it's just, a, it's just a way to be super anonymous. Now you also, okay. I said you had nine kids. You adopted two of the kids from one of these missions, correct? There's the Haiti mission, yeah. right? So can we just, you're, you were saying earlier, I know we jumped a little bit cause like I'm riveted by you, but like the, how you initially got in and Glenn Beck raised money. And is this the mission that yeah. you're talking about? That was the first That one? was the first mission. Yeah. So we got intel on um, a trafficking ring that was kidnapping children in Haiti. And um, I had met the family of one of those kids. It broke my heart. And, and I promised the family we wouldn't always try to find their, their child. Wow. And, and that led us to intel where we found... Um, almost 30 children being sold in what was a false orphanage. It said orphanage on the wall, but it wasn't. Right. And, and those places exist all over. I mean, how do you get 2 million children or more into that black market? Well, it's, it's modeling, it's fake modeling schools, fake orphanages. There's got to be a way. And then pedophiles or slave labor folks show up and buy the kids out of the, out of the orphanage. Right. And there's no record. These kids don't even have birth certificates. So in all of these countries, we take for granted the, kind of the controls put in place here. I mean, this country's, like my kids that we adopted, we, we had to guess on a birthday. There's no, there's not even a paper trail that they even live. <laughs> wow. And I, I know it was that mission that the one of the men that you, the, the boy's uh, father, you never found that boy. Correct. Um, that was two years, like that was years ago. Did yeah. you ever find that boy? No, we never found that boy, but we, as we look for that boy, it's so funny because we, we find other kids. So we've actually rescued hundreds of kids looking for this kid. Wow. And the first group of kids that we rescued looking for that kid, because we did find the place where he was, 
the yep. orphanage, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we we went in undercover and they offered to sell us these kids. And the two that I bought was a brother and sister. Right. That I we bought them in a sting operation and then I ended up bonding with them and we ended up adopting them. Um and wow. But no, we 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 have yet to find him, but we are doing everything we can in that in that area. Still. And, and yeah, still, but always finding others along the way. So that's um, and then what is the case? Okay, so can you explain what this Nazarene fund is? You have, I mean, obviously. So yeah. So the Nazarene Fund is an amazing organization that was founded by Glenn Beck and Mercury One back in 2014. This is when ISIS. Remember when mm -hmm. ISIS was all over the news. And they're making they're making a mass comeback right now. By the way, they're 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 coming back. They are. There's more numbers. There's more in number now than ever before. And they're they're still alive and well. They're just waiting to spring in. And what they did was, they went into uh, parts of northern Iraq and Syria and just took took over entire towns wow. and just said, "We now own these towns." And if you were the wrong religion, so if you were Christian or Yazidi or some ethno or the religious minority, then you were a slave. You were told to get out, convert, or become a sex slave. And so these Yazidi people especially were hit hard. And they weren't even given a chance to convert. It was just all the men are dead. All the women and children are, are sex slaves. And they, they set up these, like in Mosul and other places in northern Iraq, where they took over the towns. They had these mass sex markets, sex slave markets, where they would just pass around these kids and women. Wow. And um, so what the Nazarene Fund does is go in and... and and um, one, try to get them out before ISIS gets to them. Or once they, they were got, get them out. So we're extracting these people regularly. Uh, still, to this day, there's wow. thousands missing. We have the list of all the missing Christian Yazidi uh, women and children, and we work to get them out. And we have operators on the ground who are, you know, they're foreign nationals. We, they're, they're, they're Middle Easterners who just skilled, passionate, risking their lives to find these kids who aren't even their religion, by the way, right? They're, they're these Yazidi. Yazidi are people that are very, um, they're beautiful, peaceful, uh, agrarian type people that have just lived peacefully for thousands of years. And, wow. they, and ISIS saw them as nothing more than cattle to be butch butchered or whatever. So um, that's what the Nazarene Fund is. It, it works. So Glenn Beck founded it, and then he turned it over to us in 2017, 18. Um, and so uh, OUR and Nazarene Fund are kind of sister organizations. They're run completely separately, but I'm the CEO of both. So Wow. How many people do you have working for you now? Like, how big is this org organization? Uh, so OUR, we have, oh, we're growing so much right now. What, what are we at? 40? 40? About 40 employees, and then... Probably in, in terms of contractors, mm. uh, probably uh, 40 more partners. At our partners, we're in the hundreds. We partner oh, wow. a lot. We find or, or other organizations yeah, yeah. like-minded. So we will work side by side with them and they have their own groups on the ground. So we, yeah. we, the more we partner and build the network, the better. The better, for sure. So, yeah. okay, so how can people listening, how can they help? Where are some easy ways that they can help? Well, they should go to OURrescue.org, mm -hmm. our website, and hit the tab that says Join the Fight. And there's all sorts of options. They can Things they can do to get involved, whether it's fundraising right. or, or getting involved in some other way, awareness, events. So And, and then... Do your kids know what you do at this point? How old are your kids? You got, I know you got a hundred of them, but how old are these kids? Do they understand? <laughs> My oldest is 21. 
You have a 21 year old? Yeah. You look like you're 21. How old are you? I'm yeah, 45. My God. You have a 21 year old? Yeah. Jeez. I, I swear you look like you're like 21 years <laughs> Thank old. Thank you. Cause I don't you, feel like I am, but my and my youngest is four. So we run, wow. we run the whole thing. So we're, it's crazy. That's amazing. Do they know? Wait, I mean the 21 year old. I'm yeah. Sure, so the older ones, they want to come work for me. So I, I, I told them you go get trained. You know, you gotta get, you gotta, you know, that's amazing. So well, how old, 21, what's how old is, how many older ones do you have? You have a four year old. They're not working for you anytime soon. Right. But, but the 21 year old could, how yeah. old is the other? Like, so just there, the, it, it goes 20, 18, uh, 20, uh, 21, 19, 17, uh, 15, uh, 11, and, and then there's two of the same age because we adopted two. Oh, you taught exactly. Yeah, two, yeah, my yeah. two girls, a biological and my Haitian child. Oh, and, and they're, they're the same age. They're the oh. same age. They're, in fact, they have the same birthday. Are they close? Well, how do you know? You don't have the. You because have the, because uh, it was arbitrarily given. And then once they got here, it bothered my biological daughter that she had a birthday that was arbitrarily given because she she knew because her the two kids had the same birthday which was february 19th the day we rescued them oh my wow. and, and and my daughter della said that's they were nine at the time she said i don't like that her birthday was just made up mine's a real birthday i'll share mine with her because then we both have a real birthday wow and they and eventually we just said a fine that's they, nice that's yeah cute. so they share a birthday um and talk about being a good role model. You know what I mean? Like, how does any parent even like come close to being like someone like you? Like, I mean, literally, you've given your entire life to like help and save children like around the world. But, but you know, it's funny you say that because I always feel the opposite because I'm never home. And you're never home. Yeah. So I hope, I just hope that they know why that is. Right. And I think they do eventually, but it, it's it, it hurts being gone so much. Oh, I can imagine. Your wife is an angel. I mean, she's, she's looking after all of these kids. Mm -hmm. And she's the one who actually pushed you a lot, right? To like oh, do yeah. all this I stuff. I never would have done it were it not for her. Yeah. Wow. What was her background? Like, what, was she like a teacher or like just a saint or what was her whole just thing? Just a saint mostly. Just a saint. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought because. Yeah. When, when we got to that point where I was like, what do I do? I can work these cases in Columbia and Haiti. I know we'll rescue kids. Right. But if, if I do the case, I have to quit my job. And if I quit my job, we have no money. Right. And so she said, that's what she said. She pushed you. She's though. like, who cares about the, the money? Right. Who cares? Like, if you think you can rescue kids, how, do you, how are you going to meet your maker is what she told me. And how could you say no to this? Right. And that was kind of, she kind of put an end to the argument. But I fought her on it, especially when the money started coming in. I was like, let's just donate this to another charity that does similar work. Absolutely. And I'm going to stay in my government job. And she's like, oh, no, you're not. I mean, mentally, though, like what you have, are you, I mean, have you become somewhat desensitized because you've seen so much? Like you must have like mentally so, so strong, like, or, or do you have to like see somebody to kind of deal with all this? Because <laughs> he's laughing over here because he knows how mentally not strong I am. Okay. I was going to say like, <laughs> you would have to, because obviously you're a, thank you. Well, he's, you have to be a very compassionate, <laughs> uh, sympathetic, kind human to be able to do this. But that with with those character traits come like you know you you have to it must it must be very difficult daily to see such trauma and such awfulness. It is daily. so it is so so hard. Um, it's it's really hard this work and and not for reasons you might think it's hard enough. Right. That you're seeing like just two weeks ago I was in a place where I was brought six year old boys who are being sold for sex, and oh. and it's just devastating. Um, but you know the hardest part, and this is going to take a little twist. The hardest part is I, I was warned when I started this, like the nonprofit world is horrible. Don't, mm -hmm. don't do it. Why? Because it's backbiting and mean. And, and, and I'm mm -hmm. like, no, not, not on this. A thousand times worse than I thought.
Really? Oh yeah. The 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 solution to to fighting human trafficking and ending modern day slavery really is, I believe, in in the NGO space, working with law enforcement. But that NGO space, that nonprofit space, is super important. There was Kevin Bale, who was kind of the premier academic in the space, and mm -hmm. he said, nonprofits are the key, but it, but they just will never get along because they have this scarcity mentality. Right. So like when OUR got really big, we got really big last year. Yeah. All, so many of my friend organizations turned on us. Like just out of jealousy. Right, of course. And it's just like, what do you, we're working with you. Right. In nonprofit, you would think that it would be the opposite. Scarcity mentality. Right. Of like, if you get the money, then we're not. And it's like, wait, wait, did you forget why we're, what everyone's doing here? Right. Oh, you know, they might say easy for you to say you guys got so big. I'm like, well, we're, we just try to partner with everybody. Right. So that's one of the hardest things, like coming off the airplane after seeing a six-year-old kid and strategizing and then having to deal with, that nonsense. oh, guess what? Your friends over here just did to you, you know? Yeah. I won't say names. Don't worry. You should. I want to know names. I should say names. You should say names. I won't though. See, what's it, what's it, what, would, <laughs> what was the precipice? Like what made you, like last year was a tipping point of some kind. What was it? It wasn't Tony's birthday. What, what, well, maybe it was, I don't know. But what was the, what was that precipice, that moment that made you guys just kind of become? I think we were kind of growing right. progressively. You were, But yeah. 2020 was a big year. Um, I don't know that any of us have been able to totally figure it out. I think it had to do with, I, I think, you know, there was a, a, an increase in the amount of abuse. Right. Because when government shut down mm -hmm. and that, that societal infrastructure that keeps kids safe. Schools, after school programs, yeah. that actually keeps kids safe from pedophiles and traffickers, but no one knew that, or they didn't, wow. they knew it, but they didn't listen. And so when that kind of collapsed, there was, people saw it. The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children reported double, like millions of additional leads, reports of child sex abuse that originated online, for example. Wow. So you see all these cases going and people are seeing it, they're recognizing it, and they're just like, what is going on? And uh, we do something very unique. I love all the organizations and all, all the focus on different areas, but we're, we're unique as we, we, and not saying there's others that do this too, we're not the only ones, but our kind of specialty is going into the darkness. Yeah. Like we work with the police, but we go in, we go into the darkest corners, like the story I just told you in Haiti or yeah. the other one the I just trenches. told you about. Yeah, yeah, we go in there. And so um, it's very direct action. You know, yeah. um, where other things are important, but they're very indirect. Um, so uh, I think that when people were seeing that and they saw what we do, it was interesting to them. And, and um, you know, we had a lot of very uh, influential partners. You right, know, that, that brought more, that more brought attention to it. And I think, yeah. I, I don't know, would you explain it that way too? Yeah, I think there was a, an uptick with the Wayfair. Um, you heard about that. Last year. The, uh, you, oh, mean, yeah. you mean in Atlanta? Yeah, Is that so no? There was, there was talk of Wayfair. So Wayfair, Wayfair oh. was this furniture online furniture company. Oh, oh, yeah, I know who they are. Yeah, and they were like, there was like this conspiracy theory, and it turned out it was a total conspiracy theory about how um, they they were selling furniture for like a lot of money, uh, more than people thought they should be, and they were all named after. Oh my god! Names, and then yeah. people would. Say, oh, there's there's someone in Brittany who was kid who was missing. Well, yeah, there's a there's a, every name in the world is a missing of course, person. Probably lots of them. So it would just they just kind of lined it up and said, look, they're they're selling people. Well, that's not the case. And so I actually I think it was one post I did. Oh my gosh, that, that's like, crazy. And I just went on and said I, I said, look, I don't think this Wayfair thing that hasn't proven out to be true. 
But I will tell you that people are sold online. I've been undercover on every social media platform that exists and there are traffickers selling women and children through those means. So I kind of went through that and, and that just resonated and it got like millions of views and that, that was one big thing that kind of threw us into the front. Wow. Or the public's mind, at least in this in this fight. Well, I'm so glad it did because it, this is one of those things that- it, It's been it good should. and bad. I mean, it's been really good overall because it's yeah. allowed us, we're, we've just opened up four new countries in the last several months. But yeah, people now know who you are. Yeah. So that can also be uh, detrimental. It's been really right? good, yeah. And bad for other reasons yeah. because of the other reasons I told you about. Yeah, you know, no, absolutely. No, no NGO should grow that fast. Right, exactly. So. No, it's 100% true. <laughs> Even though we're saving kids, yeah, that's, that's secondary. I know. To the fact that you just got too big, sorry. They're, they're yelling at me. Well, why don't Be you nice. know him? He, I like, I like brutal honesty, and so <laughs> that's that's this is great. And I, 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 how about TikTok? Has TikTok been a big place now because there's such young, like there's so many young people there? Is that like a place where people are infiltrating a lot now too? I think any any social media, any social media is okay. has the potential, and I'm not against any of them. I'm not, no, we, no, we I, use them all for good. You 100%, use them all. I get it. I get but, it. But yeah, they're, they're going to be exploited. All those platforms will be exploited by evildoers who, who are accessing kids or selling kids, absolutely. Well, I mean, okay, so we people should go to yeah, the website, which is Operation Underground Railroad. OURrescue.org. Okay, yeah. and to, to get involved. Um, and, or the NazareneFund.org. Or the NazareneFund.org. If you wanna learn about that. Yes, um, and is there anything else that you wanna add before, I mean, I know I've kept you here a little bit, but um, is there anything else that you wanna share? I, I, I would just, important? yeah, the thing I would share for, to people is, there, there will be people that watch your podcast okay. that are like right now, just like about to turn it off. I know that. <laughs> okay. They're like, how much am I going to listen to? <laughs> um, because it's hard. It's heavy to talk about this stuff. Um, and I would just ask people like um, to, to not turn it off, to don't be deterred to going to the website and getting involved. Um, is it hurt? Yes, we're not gonna lie to you and tell you that this is easy. Just go and just learn more about children being raped. Right. Okay, it hurts. You shed a lot of innocence. Um, but the, if we don't do it, then these kids will never be rescued. Absolutely. It's, it's the one thing I, I always take note of. Like I just told you, I got back from an operation a couple weeks ago. Yep. We are in places all the time where it's just like, if we weren't here, because basically we went to the government of that country and they said, okay, be the tip of our spear. Right. Where, where do you want to go? We want to go here because here's the intel we have. Okay, we'll support you. Show us what you what you find. And they're shocked. They're just like, what are you showing us? Absolutely. I, yes. I'll show you the video. After. I can't show it here, but I'll show you Promise. after. Promise. Okay, okay, I want to see it. And so the highest le levels of their government are just like, what? We all know this town. We all go to this town. We had no idea this is happening. So crazy. And then when they find out that even the local police are providing support to the traffickers, right? So what hope do those kids have? Zero hope if we hadn't gone in with that government to go to go extract. Exactly. And, and, and so that's what I say to everybody. Like, there's no hope if we if we don't all do something and it hurts to do it, but but it's worth it. Right. So please, everybody. I mean, it's going to be. We're saying it at the end. But I'm going to say it again. I'm going to do it again in the beginning that people should listen. They should go to your website. They should go to the Nazarene Fund also. They should help. They should do whatever they can because this is a, a really big problem. And if you have, even if you don't have children, you have children, this is one of these things that needs you and needs your help. So 
needs your attention. Thank you so much for coming Thank on. You, Jen. It was Thank so nice you. to have you. Habits and hustle, time to get it rolling. Stay up on the grind, don't stop, keep it going. Habits and hustle, from nothing into something. All out, hosted by Jennifer Cohen. Visionaries, tune in, you can get to know them. Be inspired, this is your moment. Excuses, we ain't having that. The Habits and Hustle Podcast, powered by Habit Nest. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.